Resuming. Weird. World. Order. Broadcast. Dynatherms connected. Initiating broadcast signal in... gentlemen and knights of the nerd world order this is the nerd world order broadcast i'm the man that you call dukes and it's all about the booyah what's up it's your boy joe baby and to my other other right weighing in at 178 adamantium filled pounds alfonso x man flores that guy got the right idea you see he's wearing the brown pants and to my other 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 right dan you can't stop me from calling you poppy salazar this is the way this is in fact the way welcome ladies gentlemen and knights of the nerd world order to this episode of the nerd world order broadcast and we are talking about the eight episodes that made up season three of the mandalorian now if you're talking star wars there is only one person from the NWO who can give us the level of detail, the level of knowledge that we need. So welcome back, Dan, the man. Don't stop me from calling you Poppy Salazar. I appreciate you inviting me back. Absolutely. It's it's good to have you back, bro. Uh, so, you know, this episode, or excuse me, this season of The Mandalorian I wasn't expecting much, and the reason why is because I don't know how to describe, like, PTSD from Boba Fett, but it just completely erased all the excitement that I had for The Mandalorian and going into – or coming from Season 2. I had forgotten all that. However, Dan is going to bring us up to speed, give us a recap of Season 2, and then transition us into Season 3 like a smooth landing of a Millennium Falcon. You're up, Dan. Well, I want to start by saying with as high as John Favreau and Dave Filoni had raised the bar coming out of season two, anything that they did after that was going to have a hard time living up to that standard. Where they really over-delivered, in my opinion, in terms of fan service, um, bringing back Ahsoka, bringing back Boba Fett and giving him a fresh paint job leading up to the season two finale with Jedi master, Luke Skywalker. Uh, You know, you, you had this apex of fan service and that whole lead up and payoff in the end is the best that I can remember from a TV show or a movie in a long time. I remember sitting on my couch after watching the finale of season two and feeling emotionally exhausted, happy as all get out and feeling like I just got off the best roller coaster ever and and thinking that was awesome. So, so how do you live up to that? You know, and they did essentially the impossible for that moment. They made the entire star Wars fandom happy, even if just for a moment. And with all the hostility that came out of the Rise of Skywalker and all that, 
they manage the impossible, even if just for a moment. But of course, you know, we got Book of Boba Fett after that. And it hurts me to say it because Boba Fett is one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. But that was a letdown. So we go into season three and we come off of that high. And it's like, to put it in a sports context, what did Kobe Bryant do after his 81 points? What can Aaron Judge do after his 62 home runs? What can Tom Brady do after his seventh Super Bowl? Yeah, it's going to be tough to measure up. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, you know, I'm going to start off with you, Alfonso X-Man Flores, because we need to start on a positive note, and then somewhere we're going to hit me, and it's all downhill from there. So, Alfonso, what was your thoughts going into episode one? You know, um, I was I was a little concerned. Um, Book of Boba Fett was a little off-putting, and um, that was the last thing I remember, like, right before we started to talk about this podcast here. Uh, Danny said, hey, let's uh, do a quick recap of uh, the last episode of season two. And I'm like, what What happened? What happened? What, 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 what happened in the last episode of season two? And he's like, you know, Luke Skywalker. I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. That hallway scene. It was amazing. And I couldn't believe it. It's just like Boba Fett just kind of really threw me for a curveball. I mean, you know, I still try to find everything I could I could love about it. But it was it was difficult. It was difficult. I was happy that it was there, but it did it did take that excitement away that that I had from um, from Mandalorian season two. Uh, going into season one, it was kind of nice because like you get to see how much Navarro has evolved over like the, the span of the series. In series one, it was this desolate place, and our season two, it was it was a little bit better. You know, it's like you can see it just climbing, climbing out of the rubble, and like by now, it's just just it's this it's this town that's you know up and going you know they've got their trading going on they they've um they cleaned up the city you know and the only thing they really really missing was a marshal which you know right away he offered a job to uh, mando or i'm sorry we should say uh din jaren because um there are a lot of mandalorian and <laughs> we come to find out and is this uh is this series really about this mandalorian is he the mandalorian this series is about or is it another but anyway um what, what was funny about this episode is how important it was was for him to get IG-11 back. He needed IG-11 because he wanted to go to Mandalore and he, he needed a droid to go out there to make sure everything was safe for him to breathe, which he has a helmet that will do that for him. But regardless, um, yeah, it was it was so weird because he needed IG-11 and then all of a sudden episode two hits and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll take the other. I'll take the R5. That's fine. The one that didn't work for Luke Skywalker. But I don't want to get into episode two. But it was just, it was such a, it was neat to see those little things that were jumping around on Jabba the Hutt up in the trees in their natural habitat. You know, everybody was getting along. It, it was, it was nice. It was a good comforting welcome. And I was, I was good with it. I really liked episode one. I felt like the action just, there was great action. I didn't really care for the whole IG5 thing. I was like, Psh, I didn't like that droid anyway. But I felt like it was it was sort of a cool evolution for Mando to want to use IG-5 because, you know, season one, he didn't really trust droids. But, you know, he was uh, definitely evolving as a character. Not a huge evolution, but that was cool. Um, even I recognized the R5. I was like, oh, my God, that's that one robot from uh, that, that first movie. But not the first movie, the first movie. So... Uh, the fifth movie, fourth movie, I don't know. But anyway, that was that red robot. That was that red R2-D2. 
<laughs> for me, he was always the red R2-D2. That's just me. Sorry. I thought it was pretty cool. I love the action. Uh, just everything was cool. He was he was shooting pirates, and I loved it. How about you, Dan? Um, It was a little bit of a slow start. I mean, it was good to see, you know, the development of Navarro and all, all of that uh, Alfonso described. But to be honest, uh, them bringing him back in the Book of Boba Fett to kind of salvage that storyline, I really felt took away a little bit from season three of The Mandalorian, where that would have really got the story going. Seeing him struggling with the dark saber, seeing him getting shunned for removing his helmet, and then getting the story going that way, seeking out Bo-Katan and trying to redeem himself and eventually trying to reunite the Mandalorian clans. It's interesting you say that because I have to ask myself, like, I didn't even think about that. But once you point it out, it's like, yeah, they did have to go into that whole salvage of Boba Fett. And I wonder if that's why this season was so short, because, you know, they're they're making Boba Fett and they're like, man, this isn't really that good. So they have to take elements of the season that they were producing and infuse it into Boba Fett in order to give that show some importance because your point yeah it did take away from it and uh it would have been better that way it didn't bother me as much as it did you but uh definitely now that you pointed out because I didn't even think about that but now that you pointed out it did definitely take away from the actual Mandalorian show I feel like it would have made season three as a whole that much more impactful mm -hmm. To start it that way and then progress it from there but you have to sacrifice a little bit here to salvage that and you know you go from there yeah totally agree and uh those at least those episodes uh from book of boba fett were directed by bryce dallas howard who happens to be joe's favorite director uh joe what, what were your thoughts on episode uno uh i think g5 is just a plot device uh, we got to figure out a way to get Grogu inside of a robot. And at the same time, they have closure with, you know, Mando like in droids. That's so it's a, it's a plot device. That's why it's there. Um, R5, I kind of remember, <laughs> rest in peace. My mom's, I remember, took me, I wanted R2D2, and you know what I got? R5. <laughs> so I'm glad R5 kind of got some redemption in, you know, in this story. Um, I have to disagree with the whole Darksaber thing. And the more we talk about it, when it goes down further to the end of the season, they, as we get further, you understand the the dark saber doesn't really have anything to do with anything. I think uh, what Dave um, Filoni and John John Favreau are trying to do is create a universe building around Mando. So Mando is not so much as the the main part of that universe because you know, like I'm sure we all heard, you know, they're coming out with a movie that that ties everything in with after Ahsoka, like, cause they're going to do like a Mando, uh, a movie to tie everything that they've done thus far into a conclusion. So I think in order for you to do that, I think the first two seasons did very well to develop Mando and who he is. And I think the third season is, a, it's built on creating all the Mandalorians to come together, no matter what kind of different cults they're in and what they believe in. Because you know the whole moral of the the whole season is they're 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 most strongest when they're all together, not separate. And so I think that was what you have to understand is Bo-Katan is 
takes the forefront of the show because he's closing, you know, the Rebels and the Clones. And that's what this series is doing is Filoni and John Favreau are closing the gaps and answering certain um, questions that were unanswered within the series. Like if you watch the Bad Batch, they they're they're right now at the end of season one they let you know what happened to the clones because you're everyone's always like what happened to the clones they just disappeared all of a sudden they have regular troops and bad batches you know you can sit there and say well i wish they didn't do that with bad batch but he's using those shows to close the gaps to explain everything that has holes in it and it's this season what it for me what it did was reestablish mandalore let you know how much the um the rebels after they won the war how weak they are they can't run a government which brought in the first order and so that's what they're establishing through this and that's what i got from those series i mean so the first episode for me i thought it was pretty cool i know people were complaining about it but um for me it's a good like you know to danny's point said earlier it's good fan service for me because i'm a huge fan of rebels so i felt like it's just you know continuing some stuff from rebels thinking so shout out to joe uh he actually got me to watch bad batch season two um and i actually bench watch it in two days and it's a really cool show it 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 lets me know that dave filoni is a guy who can i'll say reinvigorate the star wars um you know the, the star wars universe because i think previously they were trying to give us like oh here's the skywalkers here's the jedis and i feel like what favreau and filoni have kind of told us is like there's a whole nother universe out there so and bad batch was cool i mean i i was like eh, but yeah it was cool i mean for me to binge watch something in two days because i hate binge watching uh which are so you know i i really feel like uh to Joe's point, Filoni and Favreau are doing a great job. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to start it off with Alfonso X-Man Flores and ask you, what were your thoughts on episode number Dulce? Let's see. Episode two is the Minds of Mandalore. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, like I said, you leave off. I need IG-11. I need IG-11. I need. Oh, fine. I'll take the R5-D4. Um, what happens is uh, Mandalore. Uh, Dinjarin goes back to uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Naboo, um, the sand place. Luke Skywalker hates it. That planet, Tatooine. Good lord, uh, went back to Tatooine and he's like, you know, he meets up with the, the mechanic and she's like, oh, you know, I got some droids for you. And he's like, he's trying to find pieces to put the IG IG eleven back together. And she's like, no, nah, you know, you're gonna have to go here to get that. That she goes and take this R five D four. He's perfect. He's good. He's great. And, you know, you got a little shaky robot, like, I can't do it. I'm scared. I don't want to go into space. It's, you know, it's beeping and whatnot. And But you can get that out of that droid. So um, picks it up, takes it back to Mandalore, you know, drops him down. He's like, I need you to go down and make sure that everything's okay for me to breathe. Next thing you know, you know, he's off screen and all, you know, you don't see him anymore. And like, oh, great. What happened? So then he's like, well, Grogu, you stay in the ship. I'm going to go check it out. Puts on his mask, hops out. It's like, well, you have oxygen in your armor. Why? Why do you need, why? You go out there, you test the air. It's good. Take off your mask. Well, you're not going to take it off anyways. You just turn off the button for the for the oxygen. But, you know, so that, that it was weird because this is like one of the first times these have really set with me poorly at the very beginning. Not to say I didn't like it, just, but it just set poorly. I'm like, what the heck? Come on. You know, all first episode, all you do is talk about how you need the IG-11. And now I, I digress. I keep going back to that. But um, 
this episode got pretty exciting because you got to see Mandalore, which you could tell was bombed to no end, right? Then you get to, you know, you get to go down deep into Mandalore because most of Mandalore happens under the surface of the planet. And uh, you've got these, I don't know, um, they, those things look just like those uh, creatures from, uh, what was that movie? Oh my gosh, we're going to have to edit that part, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, one of those movies where like these creatures come up from the bottom of the earth and Anyways, they they were on R five D four, and then Mando comes down, whoops him down. He pulls out the dark saber just to show that he can't use it still to remind us that he's like, oh, this thing's really heavy. I, they didn't even cut himself or something. But um, yeah, he ended up going down. Gee, yeah, down the mine shaft because uh, he's looking for the waters of Mandalore so he can bathe in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, like in uh, purple rain, so that he can come up clean and be. Uh, you know, be a true Mandalorian again. So uh, this episode, it was fun. It was, you know, you got to see those monsters. You got to fight them off. You know, you got to go down. You got to drown a little bit. Um, I don't want to go too much further because I'm not sure how much happened in this episode. Huh, what am I missing there? No, I, I actually feel like you covered it extremely well. Thank you. And well, yeah. you got like that. You remember the wind creature and the robot? It's kind of like um, Grievous. Yeah, little grievous. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and yeah, I think in the movie you're talking about is tremors, mm. where they come up from the ground creatures. I don't think they look Was like time machines. Hmm? No, Alfonso's going to look it up on his telephonic device. Yeah, those I'll are the only, all I remember creatures coming up from the ground was like tremors, dude, with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> nah, this is like an old movie, nostalgic. Like well, another key element to that is an old movie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, another key element to episode two, though, was the fact that uh, he had to send Grogu back to get Bokatan to rescue him from Mini Grievous, and uh, that in turn allowed him to eventually turn over the Dark Blade to Bokatan because he was bested for it, and then she in turn defeated that guy. So there was a little bit of continuity that was established there for them to kick back to later. It was, but I felt like it was a lazy element, lazy writing, if you will, because yeah. it was an easy way for her to get the dark saber without fighting him. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. like uh, through, well, he didn't actually lose the saber. He just got, smacked around and dropped it and then this guy picked it up didn't know what he had and then he picked it back up again and, you know it's like eh, i don't know, hey, I, you know I, what, oh, sorry you know what's funny about that we we got to have grogu play uh lassie right it's like hey timmy's stuck in a well <laughs> you know? so he's like hey remember where Bokatan is luckily early in the episode he's like if you look over here you know mandalorians have to know how to navigate space and this is where Bokatan is right here I was like, oh, that's an interesting point. <laughs> so then he jumps. And he's like, go get Bo. So you know, Grogu flies up there with his little his little space lead, and R five D four jumps up in there with him, navigates the way, and they go get Bo Katan. And she's like, what's that? Timmy's stuck in a well. Mm -hmm. yeah. She yeah. came down to the rescue. Sorry. <laughs> as far as R five goes, I feel like uh, Mandalorian didn't exactly know. Uh, Din Djarin, if you will, didn't exactly know what was going to be on the planet. However, he knew there were hostile elements. 
So if there's not a cell elements, do you want IG-11 or do you want the R5 droid? IG. So I, I felt like that's why he wanted the IG-11, because the IG-11 could handle itself. Uh, whereas the R5 was simply like, you know, granted, he could have gone down there and checked the oxygen by himself. But if there's hostile elements, why would he run into that? So I thought that's why that was there, you know. Um, this For me, this episode was like really cool. I, I felt like it established early on that Grogu had developed, like he was a little bit better as far as communication, a little bit better as far as being able to handle himself. And I think that came back in episode seven and eight. So I felt like this episode kept everything moving in the plot line. So let's talk about what some have described as episode that will set up things for later. Dan, can you give us your perspective on episode three? Episode three, that was the reconditioning of the Imperial officers, right? Well, um, you had a couple of things going on there. Um, you could say that they were starting to lay groundwork for the upcoming Ahsoka series, which looks awesome. If anyone out there has not seen the trailer yet, I urge you to do so. I'm really excited for that. And it also pointed to a couple of other things that we saw in the sequels towards connecting the timeline into the rise of the First Order from the remnants of the Empire and the eventual cloning that benefited Palpatine in Episode 9. So uh, yeah, we it was a bit of a side story. And if you didn't have the patience for it, you did have some story development there that uh, I know got some negative feedback from the masses who want just the Mando and Grogu show. But if you're willing to go along with it and you kind of already know a little bit of where it's going, then you give Favreau and Filoni the benefit of the doubt that I believe that they've earned. I actually have to agree with you in the sense of like, yeah, everybody wants the Man Mando and Grogu show, but sometimes you have to set up other things in order to, like Joe talked about, you're you're setting up stuff for later, you know? And even though some people could say like, oh, well, this really didn't pay off or whatever, we don't know because we don't know what they have, you know, lined up later. I will say that elements of the episode, I was like, man, this is boring. Man, this guy's dumb. But I mean... Overall, I was like, it's cool. It's it's like, a, you know, it was a decent story. So, you know, I liked it. I didn't hate it. You know, I just felt like it was very slow, but, you know, wasn't two hours long. So I lived with it. How about you, Positive X, man? All I know is I want to try some of them yellow crackers, man. I was like, hmm, those look pretty good. <laughs> I think I think uh, I, I did see a TikTok where people are starting to like try to dissect these things as much as they possibly can. They are found in like some kind of like some Japanese cracker um, that you can order for like twelve bucks a box right now. But uh, I don't know if I want to go there. Maybe we get somebody to pitch in. <laughs> um, it, it was this this episode was really cool. Uh, it did get me to think. Oh. Just so you guys know, by trade, what I am, I'm an optician. I, I sell glasses. I make glasses. I, you know, and, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because in this episode, there were three instruments, 
three instruments that are actual optical instruments that they put in this. The first thing they had was a, it was a visual fields machine in one of the science areas. And that's the machine where you actually, you look into the thing when you get your eye exam and you click a button every time you see something in your peripheral vision, right? The other one was a lensometer where you actually read the glasses. And then uh, Grief Karga, he had a, maybe that was the next episode, but he had what's called a pupilometer and he was using it as, as binoculars. But the pupilometer is what measures how far apart the eyes are. So we get the optical center of the glasses. It was awesome. Me and Devin were like geeking out over this. Um, because he's an optician as well. But um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, it, it was cool because I, you know, I don't know why when they were talking about getting Grogu's uh, DNA and everything, I didn't think cloning. And then they started talking about cloning, cloning, cloning. This guy, this is a guy with his finger on the heartbeat of cloning. Well, who else was cloned? Snokes. Snokes was cloned. There was a bunch of Snokes here, Snokes there, in bottles, in vials, in, in containment units, vacuum tanks, whatnot. And I'm like, Oh, this this is something that ties everything together, right? They want to bring this guy in, and he's, you know, and then you know later on, of course, we find out more about um, what uh, Moff Gideon Moff Gideon wants out of it. We'll leave that to the next, you know, when we get to those episodes. But uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, ooh, 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 I see the connection. I see the connection. It was it was super sweet. But yeah, you know, it, it was a weird setup thing. You know, you got the you got the girl who's like. She's already been there for a while. And she's like, oh, hey, but we could do this. You know, even though it's a bad thing, it would be good for them if we did this for them. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Back at first, he was like, no, no, I better not. And he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, you know what? I'm really good at this. I'm going to get it done and we're going to do it. So she's like, come with me. You know, we're going to go, we're going to go find this thing inside one of the Star Destroyers that they have decommissioned. And they're going to destroy it anyways, right? So they go down and she sets him up and he takes the fall and she's like, yeah. He's a bad seed, send him back to reprogramming. He goes back to reprogramming and gets his brain fried. I just didn't care for that ending. I don't know why. I just I just felt like it was like, man, this I mean, I know guys, we're all dumb and you know, easily, easily manipulated. But uh, you know, I think there's there's no better person to, you know, analyze this person's actions than Joe. What you got, Joe? <laughs> The, you, one of our biggest beefs that we can't stand with Marvel is they're not setting anything up anymore. They're just doing some stories out of the blue and it's not not setting anything up to the future. So when Mando, Filoni, and Favreau start setting things up, all these Star Wars crybabies just be crying, man. Dude, quit crying. When was the last time? I know, I know Danny's going to know this. When was the last time you saw Coruscant? See, my man had to think about it, dude. That's how long they did Coruscant, bro. They did a whole episode showing you Coruscant. And fools are still not happy. I'm like, come on, man. Like, come on, dude. J.J. Abram, when he did episode nine, which is garbage, he has to try to clean up the first two the first two episodes, right? That Or the first two of the seven and eight. I'll just say seven and eight. I can't remember their names because they're so whack. But... What does he do? He has to he has to reinvent nine, just like you know, like uh, what was it? Uh, like Avengers or Endgame, dude. We're like on your left when he had to come. Like he had to do that at the end of that movie just to get everybody hyped up. Where Filoni is cleaning up that garbage of the First Order, he has to connect it, and so that episode is just connecting and letting everybody know how bad the rebels are after they won. So that whole episode. You dumb Star Wars fans, 
that keep complaining is just to clean up that mess, which in fact, a lot of those same Star Wars fans are complaining about the movies and how bad it was. They just donated a whole episode on them cleaning up that mess, and yet fools are still upset about that. It's like, you just can't win, dude. Like, take it for what it is, man, and just enjoy the episode and, and appreciate what those two guys are trying to do is clean up some hot garbage. And that's what this episode is. And most people see it's boring. Me, I'm kind of excited for it because I know what they're trying to do. So for me, those episodes are boring. I get to see a different, you know, like how croissant is or croissant. Croissant sounds good right now. Uh, croissant, how it is now, you know, like in that time frame of, of what it looks like. It still looks like it's flourish. It still looks like the rich are still up top doing their own thing. You know, it's cool to see. So I don't know. Well, after the Rise of Skywalker, that just really opened the door for all the malcontents in the of the Star Wars fandom. It it looked for a second like it was gonna eat itself. Comment boards were ugly, people were kicking dogs, punching babies, or at least it seemed like it. But I think episode eight did that. Yeah, that was that was huge towards that. Was but it Kevin that was Johnson? Where, no, Ryan really, Johnson. Ryan Johnson, yeah. yes. People were so angry at Ryan Johnson. The only oh, thing yeah. good about that movie was the uh, fight scene in front of Snoke. I mean, that was the only thing, mm -hmm. you know, plus out of that whole movie. Yeah, but that's where I really give Filoni and Favreau credit. And at the end of season two, they did the impossible. They made everybody happy. Everybody got something, the new fans, the old fans. And for even just for a moment, you made everybody happy. But you knew it was only a matter of time. For all those malcontents, they had their fingers on the keyboards. They were looking for a reason to be unhappy because Disney is ruining Star Wars and they were chomping at the bit. Yeah, how are they ruining it, bro? They're cleaning up the mess. Like, I don't get it. Like, you can't well, complain about garbage guys... in your front yard and then a couple of dudes come up and start cleaning it and then you're mad the way they're cleaning it up. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. Garbage. It, yeah, but dude, don't call me in to fix your garbage. Well, a lot of those people don't even recognize the work that Filoni had already been putting in in Clone Wars, Rebels, The Bad Batch, because cartoons are for kids. Right. So they're not even aware that he's solving these problems. He's closing these plot holes. He's connecting these dots and fixing these mistakes because they're not even paying attention to that content. And that's where even going into the first season of The Mandalorian, you had – two reasons to be excited about it you had the new school fans that were already familiar with Filoni's work and you know looking forward to the next thing that he was going to be working on and you had the old school fans that hear Mandalorian so what's your first thought Boba Fett yeah we're listening so even if it wasn't specifically what they were expecting a space western you still had good content you had baby Yoda aka the child at that point and it was a good story that everybody was relatively happy with and leading into season two where everybody seemed to have gotten what they wanted. Yeah, have you guys seen that image that's been popping up uh, from, from Star Wars Rebels where uh, there's like a prophesied stone in the background and you see Grogu like 
putting a bubble around two people, saving them, and and like basically Moff Gideon being blown up, like from the last episode. Sorry, I don't want to talk about the last episode yet, but it's just how long Filoni has been, has been like he's had this fiction in his head. He's already had his already he already had his head cannon set. He knew what stories he wanted to tell. He's been he's had he had to have been thinking this for ever you know get john favreau on board and he's like oh that guy that guy's got you know a name right there attach myself to him between the two of them man they they pulled it out of the frying pan i mean um bad experience with the star wars movies i understand people's you know complaints about it but i, I never got too too involved with like oh man gross what, what are you doing it's like you know what i don't care this is star wars you know i'm loving it so it, it, it's 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 so cool though. Even though you know he saw exactly what we saw, and he's like, "That's all right. I got a way to fix it." He's been he's been he's been pulling these puppet strings from day one, man. Uh, I ne- I never watched Star Wars Rebels back in the day. I'm I've watched quite a few now, and I'm I'm seeing he's got all this stuff set up. And you you see the previews for for the new Ahsoka show, and you see um, what's her name again? Um, the the other Mandalorian. Um, Okatan? No, no, the other one, uh, the one that was on the Rebels team. Mm. Oh my gosh, Joe, what's her name? Brain. Yeah, what? Brain. Yes. Wait, Brain. No. Anyways, her. Yes, she's there. If they want something to complain about, tell them watch a Marvel movie. You know what's funny is they're like, damn you, Disney. You mean Filoni and John Favreau? It's like <laughs> at the end of the day, they're the ones that are making the calls on everything. So, like, I think it's just when people get mad at Disney, they just hate Disney. So they just want an excuse to hate on Disney. Yeah. So get mad at the two guys that that came in and started doing this thing. Disney's not doing anything. It's yeah. just, you know, Disney pays the bills. I will say this, though. I have more faith in Filoni and Favreau at this point than I do... um, Kathleen Kennedy? Not Kathleen Kennedy. Who's the guy over at Marvel whose name escapes me? Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, yeah. Because I, I feel like I'm looking at anything that Favreau and Filoni do, and I'm saying to myself, like, well, they have a plan. They're going to be able to like, you know, they're going to put it all together. It's going to make sense later. But I have that Marvel feeling like, but what if it's just a bunch of garbage that they just put out? And I understand Joe. Joe's, Joe's getting all hyped. He like scoot, scooted up in his seat there. I know I don't have to worry about that. But it's just like, I feel like these guys are going to be able to put everything together. Mm-hmm. But my problem is I gave someone the benefit of that. And he gave me like 10 movies in like uh, phase four that never panned out. Yeah. Well, what, you got to remember, like I saw an interview where uh, John, uh, John Favreau was like, anytime he thinks about doing something, he runs it by Filoni and Filoni says, no, the fans won't like that. Do it this way. And I think Kevin Feige just doesn't have, because he makes all the decisions. He doesn't have a guy he can say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, like he's just the dude that makes all the decisions. Checks so and balances. That, yeah, so I think you need you you need a a yin to the yang. You know what I mean? Can't always yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. Is is he suffering from that whole like Michael Jackson thing where nobody's going to tell him no? 
you know, it's like somebody's got to be able to say no and make you think about it. You need, you need that, um, that devil on our angel on your shoulder to be like, Hey, maybe let's not go that way, you know, and yeah. you got to listen. I agree. And I feel like at this point, Filoni and Favreau are an excellent team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see here. We can discuss episodes four and five. I'm going to turn it over to Poppy to discuss four and five. I just love calling you Poppy. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh <laughs> Well, four and five, the foundling and the pirate. Um, yeah, we have uh, the return to Navarro in episode five. Episode four, Din Djarin returns to his Mandalorian clan and lands his strength to combat a new and dangerous threat. Um, again, it moves the story along, but didn't give us a whole lot to get too excited about. The, the pirate stuff with the green swamp thing guy just didn't do anything for me. It, it just really looked real cartoony, very uh, boss nass kind of situation there. But uh, yeah, not a whole lot. To, I, I, I didn't get a whole lot from that. So I'm, I'm going to pass this one to your boy, Joe. Well, those the four or five episodes you got to remember too. Like, it, it, it uh, Den Jarin, you know, he had to get rebaptized, and then they seen the I can't remember the name of the monster that comes out. Um, I don't remember the name of the monster, but it's it's the one that's on their um, their armor, the Mythosaur, yeah, the myth- Mythosaur, and so that's a legendary thing. So, what that did was Bo Katan was able to talk to the armor and said, Hey, look, I saw this um, Mythosaur. And, you know, like, and she's such a lore, armor is into lore and the, and the culture of Mandalore. And he knows the importance of the, of that creature that she had just seen. So it kind of like those two episodes for me was like showing them how the, you know, like, this is the way clan where you're not taking off your mask to team up with the, with the other side of the Mandalore where they take their mask off. And to me, again, it's just like building them together. Like, so it's like a good setup. And I'm okay with the pirates, dude. The, uh, that, uh, I'm okay with that, dude. Like, there's pirates out there and, you know, space. It's something different. I'm okay with that. I'm down with that. I, I, I was okay with the swamp thing. I can understand Dan's point. To me, it looked kind of cartoony, uh, a little bit bad CGI. Um, but I don't know what they were going for there. I was like, this must be a character from Rebels. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only thing I could figure, but apparently I was wrong. I This episode, these two episodes to me were kind of like, eh, what are they doing? Because like, I felt like Bo-Katan had to go on a mission because she had to earn their respect. So I felt like that's kind of what that was about. Like it was a setup. Um, but then I was like, I, I get it was necessary to have these two episodes. Mm-hmm. It just, to me, felt like it could have been a little bit more exciting. <laughs> oh, first of all, the moss-looking creature, I don't know about you guys, but to me, that was a nod to Spaceballs uh, Pizza the Hut. Looked just like him, same shape, everything. 
you know, <laughs> dripping down cheese and and uh, pepperoni. But um, anyway, so yeah, um, before I get into the pirates, I mean, first of all, you had you had episode four, and and we don't want to miss out on uh, uh, Misa thinks Misa gonna come back and make an appearance, not as Jar Jar Binks, and save the child. All right, they took the actor who. I don't know for, you know, it, it was said that he almost killed himself because of the way the fans, you know, responded to Jar Jar Binks. He did a complete 180, came back, and he got to be the savior of the child of Grogu. He got to save him from Order 66. And, you know, it was, you know, hats off to Filoni on that one because I, I was such a great idea, you know, um, not not only as, you know, it mainly is, you know, the person, what he did for the person. So now it's like he has this whole part of Star Wars in him that it's not dead anymore. It's it's like it's totally revived. And, you know, and, and the fans look at him like, oh, you're the one. Thank you so much. You know, it 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 really warmed my heart that it was him, you know, to be the one to save Grogu. Um, and it, it's kind of cool because you, you wanted to see how did how did he survive Order 66? Was was he there? Was he there when when Anakin went in and you know, oh Master Anakin, what are we gonna do? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Anyway, um, so it was nice. It was a, it was a nice little fun little um, thing there where he got to you know save him. He got to you know jump on a ship. He had to take off and and you know at least we know that. At least we know that it, 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 it you know he just didn't come out of nowhere. You know he was he was one of the the younglings. I almost said foundlings. He's a, he was one of the younglings there. Now he's a foundling, even though he's fifty years old and he can't talk. Well, he's probably sixty by now. But um, the pirates episode was pretty fun. I, I like that because you got to see a little bit more of uh, of uh, Mando's new ship. I can't remember what it's called, but. I loved it when, you know, all of a sudden he was gone. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Because it's super fast, right? And then he'd like shoot up out of the cloud, blow one away. And you'd hear, doo-doo, <laughs> every time, doo-doo. Like he's got his little entrance music. And it's just, every time I, I would laugh out loud. My wife's like, it's not that funny. I go, no, it's hilarious. You know, boo-doo. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, man, that, those are some good memories. I, I, I had a lot of fun with these. Every episode was just like, oh, man, it's just. I, I can't help but smile. You know, these cheeks are like, Argh! they're hurting from all the smiling and laughter that I would go through. And my wife would watch me more than the show and just laugh at me. But, you know, she enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so anything else about episode four, three, two, two, four, five? Where are we at? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> so apparently we're, we're combining our four, uh, three, and four. Four, five. Uh, possibly. Yeah, whatever. So <laughs> first of all, so the actor who got paid to play a role as Jar Jar Binks, portraying that character the way that he was asked to do so. Mm -hmm. So then came along and Mm -hmm. everyone hated the character that was Mm -hmm. written by George Lucas. Mm -hmm. I say Jimmy Crack Corn, because I don't care. So when you bring back this character, or I'm sorry, this actor, to now play a different role, I know people are trying to say like, "Oh, it's such an attention." No, it's not. Mm-hmm. They just gave him a different role. That's all they did. There's no redemption. Now, if Jar Jar Binks had rolled up Sith style and talked mm-hmm. about, you know, whipped out a lightsaber and been like, "Me's about to save uh, 
the the Grogu, then I'd have been like, oh damn, he's about to get down. I would have been cool was, if he was trying to kill Grogu, not save him. I'd, and he bro, was a Sith. If Grogu had been redeemed, I'd have been. I don't care which way it went. If he would have been the killer, and then mm -hmm. they killed him off, cool, right? Mm -hmm. But Grogu was not redeemed. That actor was not redeemed because he got paid a check. And probably residuals. He's probably still making money every time Alfonso and Dan watch Star Wars with their kids. Okay? He's probably getting paid for that right now, getting them residuals. I don't get residuals on anything. <laughs> I don't care how much I work. I love my job. Not complaining. But you know what? Y'all don't give me no residuals. But you know who got <laughs> residuals? The guy who played Jar Jar Binks. Now he's going to get residuals because, oh, we need to redeem him as an actor. No, bro. That's your job, okay? That's your job. You did what you were supposed to do. You did it the way you were supposed to do it. And people hated it because George Lucas created a, a character that no one would like. So that's that. Thank you, Alfonso. But you, but you know the way these keyboard warriors are. You know uh, they're not nerds; they're trolls. The, the, you know the keyboard warrior trolls. They'll get online and they're like, they make it personal. They're like, oh, you were Jar Jar Binks. You are the one who is the. Uh, I was going to start quoting Jane Silent Bob, but I better not because this is PG thirteen. But yeah, they they just you know it's like they went after him. They made it personal, mm -hmm. and and the poor guy, you know, he what he didn't even have any other roles after that, you know, because he's like, I, I can't do it anymore. So. I kind of I kind of feel there was still a little bit of redemption for the actor because for somebody that the Star Wars fan fans hated and loathed or those Star Wars fans right now to be loved and accepted I I can appreciate that. You know what, dude? Like all that all that does is validate what I said earlier, dude. These fans don't deserve crap because all they do is complain. It's like, dude, you really gonna get mad at the dude that got paid to do a character? Like, are you even a fan? You probably wouldn't even read the books after the movies or, or, or even the comics or your heart garbage. And, and, you know, like he also played a Jedi in like a Churjuan TV show. I can't remember which name it was, but he was a Jedi then. So they just brought that same Jedi to um, Mandalorian. Um, I don't remember the TV show it was, um, but he, he had he had did that. So it, that wasn't the first time we played a Jedi. It's just probably, I think they made that Jedi that was there. I can't remember what that show was. Um, but he just made that one canon. And so, you know, for someone like that suffers from, you know, depression from all that, I think what uh, Alfonso is trying to say, Dukes, is for him on that standpoint, the suffering that he had from depression, you know, because some people can't take criticisms like that. I mean, Joe Rogan doesn't even read comics, bro. Like, he just put stuff out there, doesn't even look at the comments because he's afraid of what he would think if he read those comments. And I could just see that dude probably soaking in his sorrows just reading all those com comments from those ungrateful, selfish, don't know what's good or bad. You can't stop me, Poppy, from hanging on these scrubs because they're all scrubs making a grown man cry, bro, for playing a character that everybody didn't like, bro. And George Lucas wrote that character, but ain't no one calling George Lucas or breaking down his door or sending him hate mail. He, he made episodes one, two, and three, which I think is garbage, bro. And he ain't getting no hate from that. Well, come on, man. To counter that, Joe, in 2010, there was a movie that was made called The People versus George Lucas. Yeah, no one watched that crap. 
Dan, did you watch the People versus George Lucas? I did. Oh, I did. Because a friend of mine uh, actually read uh, my article and she pointed that out to me. So I actually watched it fairly recently and it touched on a lot of the things that uh, we had talked about. Interesting. I may have to uh, load that one up on my TV, which now has internet. So I'll check that out later. I don't even know what episode we're on, guys. Uh, help me out. All I know is uh, six. The six. fluff. The fluff. Oh my God. <laughs> ah, here it comes. Dan, what's your thoughts on episode six? Well, season six, we got some celebrity cameos. We got Jack Black. Ha <laughs> ha. We got Lizzo. We got the Mandalorian, man in the DeLorean memes from Christopher Lloyd. And we got this crazy Scooby-Doo side adventure for our Mandalorians, who Christopher Lloyd would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for you nosy Mandalorians. If it was. <laughs> but honestly, as we pointed out earlier, the content that was sacrificed for the benefit of Book of Boba Fett, revolving around Din Djarin and the Darksaber and being shunned, had that been included at the beginning of season three, I think that probably would have negated the need for this fluff episode. They threw in a little sprinkling of it, you know, trying to round up some more Mandalorians. But on the whole, when you only get eight episodes, you're hoping for as much pure content as you can get. And yeah, this one, you walked away from like, why, why did we really need that? That puts it very well. I I love Dragon Ball Z, but I also understand that a lot of that show is just filler with people powering up and stuff, but I'll still watch it. And it was hard to watch this episode because, number one, um, I see two very nicely trimmed beards. Dan, I think you got one going on, too. That's three, okay? Three nicely trimmed beards. And I had to look at Jack Black's face with that crazy gray white and partially black beard for like 45 minutes of my life like they could have cgi'd that or something do something with that man like did he just walk did he wake up and walk in and he's like put on my goofy suit and just go about his business like oh everything about this and then okay let me point this out too just because one of the characters is of a let's say larger figure okay doesn't mean that the other romantic interest also has to be of a larger curvier figure and so on either side i was like really it's like so cliche to be like oh jack black's overweight and he pulled himself an overweight woman because mm -hmm. that's how it has to be i was like really that's what we're doing and then i'm like is that lizzo is this her first acting job you know what she should have like put a few more shows in front of that before she got on the screen because i felt like she was just stiff and boring um so much about it. christopher lloyd at some point i was like are his eyeballs just gonna pop out roger rabbit style and he's just gonna reveal like he's an alien underneath and to your point it was like a stupid scooby-doo adventure like why are we here i'm watching it i'm like halfway through and i'm like why are we here what does this have to do with anything and then i would think to myself even when jack black wasn't on the screen what's up with his beard 
Like that just ruined my day. Looking at his beard, you know, I'm glad I watched it at lunchtime. So it didn't ruin my morning. I had half of a good day before I saw Jack Black's beard. And uh, I didn't even, honestly, I was like, so he's going to use some secret device in order to, I don't know. I don't even know what he was trying to do, honestly. Right. They're like, oh, there's writing on this nanite. Really? So you brought in, you, you smuggled in some nanites, bro. And you left your signature on it what that's what we're doing now we're, we're like smuggling stuff in and then we're putting our signature on it yeah okay uh i could go all day on this episode this episode as you guys can tell i was impressed joe i'm gonna unmute your phone and tell me what you got going on yeah man this episode is probably the weakest one out of all of them dude um, I didn't care too much for uh, Lizzo. Like, I'm like, really, dude? You can't even act. I think we, I think us four in this panel can act a lot better than her. Uh, Jack Black, I can't stand that beard. That beard is so annoying. Um, comb it, bro. Style it, bro. Do something. You know, be the wonder boy I know you can be. You know, it's just... And then, you know, Christopher... <laughs> he do look like an alien, man. Like, so, like, I don't know, dude. I think... Again, uh, we could talk about like this is just a setup to you know where the rest of the Mandalorians are. I mean, that's all that episode was, uh, just telling us where they. <laughs> yeah, that episode. <laughs> we didn't need no Scooby Doo episode. And then Dan points out, it's like, oh, the epiphany. They just threw that crap in there because they needed a filler. Because otherwise, it would have only been seven episodes. Because they wasted two episodes over on the other side, which is probably why all three of those episodes were directed by the great and amazing Bryce Dallas Howard. Alfonso, can you pull us out of this hole? Like zoinks, man! Come on, Scoob. <laughs> All right, one, I got one more. Marty, do you know what this means? No, sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I love me some Jack Black, so I was so happy to see him in the Star Wars universe. I mean, I, regardless of his beard, his space beard, all right? You know, I'm working on it. I'll get it down. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting, like, setup. You know, it's like, oh, we, we got this thing for you to do. You know, you can come, but we got you to, you got to do this thing for us before we give you the, you know, the information that you need. So like they gotta go around, they gotta investigate investigate crimes, and they've gotta they gotta figure all this out, piece everything together. It was kind of cool. It was almost like a buddy cop kind of thing between Din and Bo, and um, you know, eventually they got to get to where they wanted to go, and they got to the Mandalorians. When you know the Mandalorians were that were hanging out there, like you know um, that that um, planet needed them. That was their army, their protection for hire. You know they they paid for them to be there. All right, well, see you guys later. <laughs> you guys are gonna be you guys are gonna be uh army list, defenseless, and we're just gonna go over here to Navarro and we're gonna go defend them instead. <laughs> I would pay for them not to have Jack Black and uh, Lizzo in there with Christopher <laughs> Lloyd. So then so then they're like what happens? They end up going to Navarro and they're like, Oh yeah, we're here to protect you. And then what happens? Oh, we're gonna go back to Mandalore. You guys are out of luck too. <laughs> it was it was kind of funny. It's just like you know this army that's going to protect this planet nope we're going to protect this planet nope we're going to go back to our planet you guys are screwed so uh more pirates but you know um it you know it's, it was just a side quest you know it's like do you hit a to go or do you hit b to leave you know 
So I, I took the side quest. <laughs> you guys would have skipped out on it, but I'm all for the loot. So that's how it goes. B, B. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, let's talk episode seven and eight. I feel like they're kind of a unit. Uh, let's see here. Dan, can you uh, give us your perspective on these two episodes that led to the finale? Well, the lead in and payoff, which ended up being pretty gratifying. We got the battle for Mandalore, which was pretty awesome because going into the, the first season of The Mandalorian, you had two sides of the fandom that were really excited going in. You had the people that were already familiar with Dave Filoni and his work with Clone Wars, Rebels, The Bad Batch, and looking forward to whatever he was going to be working on next. And then you had the old school fans that heard Mandalorian. And of course, their first thought is Boba Fett. We're listening. So how many times in hearing more of the lore, going back to Knights of the Old Republic or comics or things like that, where how cool would it have been to see that army of Mandalorians? which we got to see them battling the new dark troopers. We got to see the climactic battle with Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, and Moff Gideon. We got to see Grogu facing off with some Praetorian guards, which in my view was a little bit of a nod to the sequels to where like, see guys, we had some cool stuff there. It didn't all suck, but uh, we really got to see him and his growth in the force also which got us to some really good uh, emotional payoffs in the end, the relighting of the forge, which was pretty awesome. And of course the living water scene at the end with Din Djarin and now Din Groku. We knew what was coming in episode seven because they called it spy. So I was like, Hey, they're doing all this stuff, but ultimately uh, they're, they're going to have something happen where clearly they're betrayed or something's going to go on. So Seven for me, I was like, ah, I'm waiting for it to happen. Then it happened and I wasn't surprised. But eight, eight was just like, but I did like at the end of episode seven, the way that the gunner, whose name I don't know, I like the way that he went out, you know, uh, you know, guns ablazing, so to speak. I thought that was super cool. But then episode eight, I was just like, wow, wow, wow. That's all I said the entire time, except there was one point when Mando was fighting where I was like, so Mando's fireproof, but these other guys aren't. I didn't understand that. Um but dude, I was just like, wow, wow, this is awesome. Wow. Oh, my God. Groku's, do, Groku's doing something, and he's like a Jedi. But then Joe was like, yeah, that's a callback to this in Rebels. And if you had actually watched Rebels instead of being stubborn, you know what this is. But I didn't because I'm stubborn. But, dude, it was cool. I was just like, man, this is so cool. And, you know, then Bo-Katan came in, and she did her thing. And I was like, oh, Bo-Katan has to beat Moff Gideon because that's her personal, like, that's her Darth Vader. But then it was like, but they're a team. And they, that's what Mandalorians do. They're like a team and a family. So awesome. Just an awesome episode. Episode eight, just, I, I felt like it completed the series. Like they ended it perfectly. But at the same time, it left it left me wanting more because I want to see Grogu evolve into a better Mandalorian. But yeah, just awesome. Everything about that episode was just awesome. Great way to end the series. Uh, let's see here, Joe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And the scene that you're talking about with the, with the fire is a shout out to Canon, Canon, yeah, Canon from the Rebels. I think I told you that scene before, dudes. Where like he was just he was so in tune with the Force, he stopped the flames from coming, and because he got one with the Force, he was blind. He was able to see for that brief second that he saved his um, his girlfriend and she was pregnant at the time um, to stay alive. 
So that was pretty cool. So like I appreciate when I saw that. Um, but yeah, dude, like I thought the whole episode was pretty cool. Like, you know, like the the good shout out to Darth Maul with his helmet. I thought that was pretty neat with Moth Gideon. Um they made Moth Gideon pretty OP with that little armor that, that Vespar armor he had. I thought that was kind of like, uh, you're not Darth Vader, homie. You're not even Darth Maul, little homie. So I'm like, I don't even know why they made him OP like that. Uh, but I'm cool. cool. I'm, I, I thought it was a good closure, you know, from season one to season three. I thought it ended pretty well, especially the ending. The one thing that I have issues with, and maybe they're, they're saving it, is, okay, Grogu gets rescued, but then where did he go? And how did he get captured? So, I mean, they didn't answer any of those questions, you know, but they tied everything else and all the loose ends but that. And I don't know if they're saving that for the movie that they're making. And because, um, you know, they're supposed to tie everything and close everything up. So I want to say that's probably what they're going to do. Very nice. Very nice. So we're all loving this episode, uh, which means Alfonso's going to hate it just to drag us down. <laughs> hey, Abney, man, these were awesome. I mean, first of all, you got <laughs> you got them going back to Mandalore, right? You got everybody in their big ships. You got everybody in the little ships. They're dropping down to Mandalore to take it back. Right, they get there. And what happens? They run into some hobo Mandalorians. The hobo Mandalorians were the greatest. Loved it. Um, also, it's like you, you got that episode. It's called Spies. It's like you're thinking about, well, who are the spies? Who are the spies? And you're thinking it's the hobos, but it's not the hobos. There was no spies. They never, they never really unveiled the spies. There was, that was kind of ridiculous. You know, we wanted spies. They, they said there were spies in the title. We wanted spies. Everybody's like, oh, it's the armor, you know. You know, she's been acting a little weird lately. Like, oh, we're not about Din. We're now about Bo-Katan. And, you know, come on. No, she was not. There was no way. Now, I know that that her and her little clan, they were, uh, what was that, Death Watch, Joe? And, uh, you know, they kind of did something. I don't know if they turned the other cheek while Mandalore was being invaded or whatnot. But I know there was something wrong there. So that might come back to bite them later in their butt. Um, you know, oh, and, and the reason why Mando's armor is good against um, the fire is because he's got Beskar armor. Not all Mandalorians have Beskar armor. Not all Mandalorians have Beskar. You know, just like at the very first couple episodes, Mando did not have Beskar. He had he got the Beskar, he earned it, and he gave it to the armor. She made him Beskar. That's why everybody's got the blue and the green and the whatever, you know. Um, and his is all shiny like a... That one person from that one movie. Dang it. Brent of Tar. <laughs> episode, Tremors. I don't know, three. Phasma. Captain Phasma. Captain Phasma. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Good Lord, what's wrong with my memory? Um, one, thing, one thing that this episode had, or one of these episodes had, was one of the greatest things I've seen in a long time. We got a jetpack battle. There was a jetpack battle. They were flying towards him. Armor is spinning around like Thor smacking people upside the head with a hammer. You know, it was like G.I. Joe, except people were getting shot. It was awesome. You know, I've always wanted a jetpack. I still want a jetpack. They, you know, it's 2013, 2023. What are we in? 2023? I don't have a jetpack. We should have jetpacks by now. It's ridiculous. Get to it, people. Um, and then, you know, Moff Gideon, when he, uh, that that his Beskar armor was a little more than Beskar armor. I mean, you could hear the gears whirling. You know, he's walking around like Robocop. So he had extra strength from that armor. So they never actually said it, but they made those gear sounds 
on purpose to make it seem like, you know, because he wasn't that fast. He wasn't that strong. You know, he was a good fighter, but this enhanced him. You know, he's basically like Iron Man now, right? He didn't have any repulsor rays, but um, yeah. And then when he, when he stopped uh, Bo-Katan and her, in her dark saber and he crushed it in her hand. I was like, Oh, that was, that was like, I was kind of freaking out. But then again, you know, somebody along the line over there crawled over and got that Kyber crystal put in their pocket. Cause they're going to give it to Grogu later when he makes his own little tiny dark saber. It's sweet. Anyways. Wow. Got quiet in here, <laughs> but, um, uh, in one of the episodes of Star Wars Rebels, you know, some people are talking in the background. There's this prophesized stone in the back, and you see Grogu like, Bleh! and then you see Moff Gideon. You don't know it's Moff Gideon, but a guy in the back like, ah, being blown up. And then you see two people being protected by Grogu. It's just like a, almost like a caveman drawing of Grogu's head. You can tell it's him with the ears. And so it's like, Filoni's been planning this for how long? He's already had these stories. He was already knowing that episode five, six, and seven, or seven, eight, nine, whatever, were going to be garbage. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And so he's he's probably doing all this fan fiction in his head, you know, in his computer. He's got it all down. And he's like, okay, you know, I got the I got the thread here. I'm going to fill all the holes. We're going to fix this up, and we're going to be good. And we're getting there. We're getting there. I mean, he's 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 amazing. He's amazing. So, yeah, that's my thought. That is uh, a lot to process, uh, ladies, gentlemen, and knights. If you're listening to the podcast, feel free to rewind at any time and maybe take some notes on everything that Alfonso just said. Uh, so the first question that I have for Alfonso, trying to fill in the holes, and I understand I do this on movies as well, the entire Matrix quadrigy, I do this. Okay, so um, was Moff Gideon's armor Beskar? It was, yes, because remember, um, the dark troopers were made out of Beskar, and he's like, I'm we're, these are the new um dark troopers, and they're going to have people inside them. And okay. his his armor is Beskar. Okay, so here's my point. Okay, Mando's fighting the dark troopers, right? Right, right. And there's a scene where those dark troopers hit him with a flame, and he's like, brush it off, brush it off. But then he hits them with said same flame. And they're like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. But they both have Beskar armor. Wait, are you talking about Are you talking about in second season? Or are you talking about the red guys? Because the red guys weren't wearing no, no, Beskar. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in episode eight when he gets captured. And he, I don't even know what he did. Oh, he those, guys, those guys are glorified stormtroopers. They, they, weren't, they weren't dark troopers. They, did, they didn't have Beskar. The white ones? Was it guys in white? And I... Alfonso and Dan, or excuse me, uh, Joe and Dan, feel free to fill in. Were those dark troopers or were no. those dark troopers are dark, like okay. the black so, armor, like <laughs> the ones Luke Skywalker destroyed? So, so let me, Dan and Joe, were those dark troopers or were those just they, regular? Well, they didn't really, uh, uh, pretty sure that the dark troopers with the Beskar were among the ones that uh, confronted them at the end of episode seven. And were among the ones that were fighting the Mandalorians with the jetpacks and all that. So the ones on the ground in the corridors, I don't think that they were dark troopers wearing Beskar. Ah, uh, Joe, I see you're ready. Well, so you're just going to make dark troopers have Beskar armor, but you're going to put other troopers in there with no Beskar armor? That doesn't even make sense. 
especially if you are a Mandalore mining the Veskar. He he was that's, saving, what, that's what they were was, doing. Yeah, he was saving all that Beskar for his clones. By the way, he was most likely a clone because he didn't have a mustache. Mephisto. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. Wait, it was Mephisto. We're gonna see more Moff Gideon because he's gonna come back with mustache. He was just an early clone. I could buy that. I could totally buy that. But that's lazy writing too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay so, with him dying. Like, yeah, I, me he too. Ser he served his purpose. I'm okay with it. Let's bring on uh, Admathon. Yeah. So, so Joe kind of Joe kind of gets my point, which is like, okay, so. Those weren't dark troopers, but you're surrounded by Beskar and you've been mining it for who knows how long. And you capture this guy who's basically been causing trouble the entire time. And you you have the B team basically walking down, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. So that entire that entire scene just didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> You know, and one other thing that we were kind of missing out on here is, you know, Grogu coming out with the IG-12 uh, armor, you know, basically, and he, he's in that and he's walking around with his yes button, his no button. I know you guys didn't like it, but I loved it when he's like, yes, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, thanks for reminding us why we don't like it. It was awesome. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and of course, that spawned a whole bunch of those uh, Krang memes. Yeah, the turtles. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, but you know, he got he got the IG12 got taken out by those. What are they? Crimson Dynamo Dynamos? What are they? Crimson Troopers or whatever? And and what are those things the Crimson guys are using? The red guys, they're they're like lightsabers, but they're not lightsabers. But they block a lightsaber. They don't get cut by lightsabers. They're just like electrified sticks. It, it was the same thing that the one guy had in uh, Episode what five with the. You know. Right, it was like the baton that could, mm -hmm. for some reason, block a lightsaber. Yeah, cutting through everything. I didn't get that either. I was like, I don't know what that's going yeah. right to I mean, I don't know. I just paid them five bucks each just to take out Grogu's freaking <laughs> crane machine. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Grogu kind of held his own, flipping around on top of the lights and everything. You know, you know, trying to stay alive, and and uh, it was looking pretty grim for for uh, Din Djarin for a little bit against against Moff Gideon until. Uh, until Bo-Katan showed up and she's like, go save your child. Even though she wasn't there, she didn't know that the child was over in danger or anything, but you know, whatever, but she figured it out. <laughs> um, I did not like Grogu flipping around doing all the flippity doos. I thought it looked like dumb. Uh, I was going to try to censor myself, but it looked dumb, <laughs> but that's what Yoda did. Yeah. That, that's a species. They're, they're, they're wily like that. Doesn't mean it didn't look dumb when Yoda did it too. It's like, oh, look, Joe did something that looks stupid. Let me try that. It looks stupid when you do, when you do it too, Alan. Okay. <laughs> it's been cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys try it. Oh, it looks stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like that. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm gonna say about that. I didn't like that particular part. Oh man. And then what about we, we didn't we nothing we didn't touch on was uh what was the little guy's name? Uh the little like repair guy that would fix the droids about yay tall. That's their name. Little repair what? guys. <laughs> like bad, bad baby. Oh, queasy. <laughs> right. My, my son was rolling. He's like, bad baby. No squeezy. 
<laughs> and did you did you see that thing where people like zoomed on it and he's like, I'm out, mother. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, people have no. claimed that that he said something that maybe he didn't say, but oh, yeah, internet. I. I, I doubt if that would happen, but you know. <laughs> well, with season three, even though it was a little bit uneven momentum wise, and there was a variety of reasons for that, laying the groundwork for Ahsoka, uh, connecting the timelines with the uh, rise of the first order, uh, sacrificing a little bit of content for book of Boba Fett on the whole, we ended up getting to a real good place at the end. And if I were to try to characterize Season three, its reception, its reaction, especially as it relates to Favreau and Filoni, it would be with the title of Pedro Pascal's recent movie with Nicolas Cage, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And that concludes this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. So until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, I am NWO. We are NWO. Nerds redefined. <laughs>